Storm Bowling Products, the Bowler's Company presents the Storm Collegiate Spotlight with Steve Klimkin and Tim Berg. Storm's Executive Director of Marketing and Above180.com's Tim Berg are going to introduce a variety of collegiate players, coaches, and key people involved in promoting the sport of bowling. Now, here's Coach K and Tim Berg. Joining us on the Storm Collegiate Spotlight podcast is Paul Klempa. Klempa is the head coach at the University of Nebraska. Coach Klempa, Tim Berg, and Coach K, Steve Klempkin here. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, Coach. Well, you guys recently won the NCAA Bowling Championship on your women's team. So looking at your bracket, though, you guys had to uh, had to beat Arkansas. You beat Arkansas State twice. So what do you think were some of the keys to after you bowled them the first time and you, you advance and you beat them on Friday and then you get to the championship finals and you have to face them again? So talk about that, having to face them twice and beat a team twice. Well, obviously that's not easy, especially in the caliber of Arkansas State. They're well coached. They've got a lot of good players. But I think the real answer to that question, you got to back up to to Wednesday where – you know, we lost our opening round to the 15 seed, and uh, everything was going wrong. It was a really rough day. This was in the regional level that, that took place before we ever got to those matches against Arkansas. Uh, we we lost to the 15 seed. Uh, we we go to go to lunch, and our bus driver, we had a miscommunication. He's not there. We had to walk in the rain across a couple blocks for to find some food. We had to sit outside in the rain and eat it. It was a comedy of errors. It was just laughable. And we decided to just stay calm and move forward. And uh, so we had to endure all of that. So we had to play Wednesday afternoon and all day Thursday in the regional just to get to the final four to play those matches against Arkansas State, which were, they were tough matches for sure. There, It was very nip and tuck throughout the entire match. And then we, then our reward was we had McKendry the next match, which was another nip and tuck tight match that we found a way to come out on the right side of. Then we got to the TV show, and thankfully our girls were calm enough and focused enough. They made nothing but really good shots, and we ended up coming out on the right side of that as well. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about that, about you know staying calm or staying focused under the lights with that much pressure, you know, and, and you and I, we, we've kind of been there, right? I mean, we've competed uh, at the highest level in college and, and bowled for those, you know, national championships. And, and what did you do? Or, or maybe even uh, you're with coach uh, Shan Plahowski, what were you, how were you able to keep them focused? Well, it, a couple of things. I mean, yeah, the, the experience that coach Shannon Plahowski and I both have of being on television uh, as far as the kids go, um, you know, we have a couple girls that had been to the national championship before, but they had not made a television show. So they didn't have any experience under those lights and that kind of pressure or those high stakes. We did. We knew what it's like. So we, we spent, as soon as we made the show on Friday night, the first thing we did is we all went to the TV set that they, that they were building. It was pretty much set up. So we went down there. So they could take it all in and look at it. Um, we talked about where things will be, how things go, how they operate. Um, it, so I think it helped a lot that so they could get a visual and get a feel for what the TV set was going to be like. 
beyond that, we we spent a lot of time with them from that Friday through Saturday night before they actually played on TV, trying to prepare them for what it's going to be like. We also used a uh, a movie scene from a, a movie called The Legend of Beggar Vance. There's a scene in there that they call Seeing the Field, which is, um, I don't know how familiar you are with that movie, but it was very good. It had Will Smith and Matt Damon in it, and Matt Damon is a golfer, and Will Smith kind of becomes his guardian angel and his caddy. And so he teaches him how to block out all distractions. And so while he's putting, everything around him disappears. There's no fans. There's no distraction. There's no noise. All he saw was the green, the ball, his club, and the hole. And that's it. So I showed him those. I, I had shown our team that those scenes in the movie before we left town. And then again, before we went on the TV show so that they could kind of get an idea of what it takes. Because as soon as you give in to the pressure or get caught up in the fact that you're on television or that you're playing for a national championship, uh, as soon as you give into those kind of things, you can't perform. And thankfully they bought into it. They were able to pull it off and they played just like I hope they could very focused. And coach, is that something you'd watch that movie and you had made that mental note to yourself to be able to relate it back? Or was that something you had, how did you come up with that specific scene in a movie and then know to, to I mean, know to bring it up to them and, and then, you know, you're, you're, like you said, hoping it would relate to them and they would relate to the movie. Well, the movie came out in, back in 2000 and it was just, it was a movie that I really, I really enjoyed and the sports psychology side of it uh, always stuck with me. And so I sure didn't have plans to show this to them until uh, we got closer to the championship. And I knew I was going to be trying to prepare some people that had never been to this scale of an event. And I got to thinking in my head and I remembered that movie and those scenes and how Will Smith taught Matt Damon to see the field and, eliminate distractions and have ultra focus. And it just kind of occurred to me and I started, you know, what everyone does, I started looking on YouTube and, and uh, finding the scenes. And then I brought the team in our final meeting before we left town. And I, I showed them those. And then I, I showed them them again, um, Saturday afternoon, a couple hours before we went on TV. And uh, we had our sports psychologist in attendance as well. So he had run them through some exercises to, calm themselves and that along with those movie scenes I think it helped to express kind of where I wanted them to be at least from a focus standpoint so I knew if we could keep them calm and focused then their training would kind of take over and they would make shots and that's just what they did mm. can you talk a little bit about you know coach Shannon Plahowski she's one of the most you know decorated and accomplished bowlers in our sport I mean she's 20 times on team USA I think she was collegiate bowler of the year three times and um, professional. I mean, just every level that you can win at, she's, she's won at and she's won, you know, countless gold medals, et, et cetera. What, what, what were you looking when you, when you had initially brought her in there to the program, what were you looking for or hoping to get from her as far as a contribution to the program? And then, you know, what have you, what have you kind of seen um, from her and, and how I got to assume you're pretty thankful that you, that you do have her on now as much success as you guys have had absolutely yeah no uh well i mean obviously one of the things you're thinking when you're 
when you're hiring someone is either are they going to be a good recruiter or are they going to help recruiting just because of who they are? Shannon is both sides. She's a, she's good with people. So that makes her a good recruiter. And she also, obviously her, her track record that she has that you just ran through certainly doesn't hurt at all. Obviously people know her. A lot of the, the young ladies that we recruit are very familiar with Shannon and her name. Uh, but beyond all that, just the recruiting side, Shannon's got a, got a, a tough side and she's got a kind of a soft side. And so the girls really like her because um, she, at times she puts her arm around them and they, you know, helps them feel better. Other times she doesn't sugarcoat at all. She lays it right out there of where what they're doing is wrong, what they're saying is wrong, what they got to do to be better. Um, that calls them out if they're trying to make an excuse. Um, so she's got a very good blend of both sides. And I think the girls appreciate that. She tries, she kind of picks her spots when she's going to be kind of tougher with them, a little tough love and a little more blunt. Other times she's a little more understanding and, and, you know, and can be more sympathetic to them. So I think she's got a good blend of those two things. And I mean, ultimately, you know, she helps me a lot. She's smart. She, you know, she sees things pretty clearly. Um, I can bounce a, questions off her when we're trying to get the girls lined up at tournaments when we're trying to decide which ball's the right one to be using um she's got a good eye for that she's got a good eye for when she thinks a ball needs more surface or less surface all those things is very helpful very helpful and so yeah it was a good hire and she's done a real good job um she's you know she's basically taken over my position so she she does the lanes she's learned to run the flex real well to maintain that um, she's she's now drilling equipment, um, helps me with deciding on layouts. So she's heavily involved in all of it, the same as I was with Bill Straub. And that's the way I want it. And I don't micromanage her. She does her job and does it real well. So, Coach, hearing all those accolades you just gave to Coach Pulhowski, did you know it was going to work or did you have a, a pretty good feeling that it was going to work based on your relationship with her prior to, uh, to her taking the job as assistant head coach? Or, or talk about that because that's a, it's a big risk when you bring on an assistant that things do work and you hope, you know, we always hope for the best, but it, it seems like for you guys this was a match that uh, worked out real well from the get-go. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. You know, you don't know. How can you know for sure? I mean, obviously, another benefit of Shannon is that she was a she was a Husker here, so she knows the system, the teaching, the things that we do here. So it wasn't like she had to learn that. Um, but no, you can't know. I couldn't know going in how compatible we would be together or how compatible she would be with the girls. Um, coaching, has, she has a. She has a really good resume, but it doesn't include a lot of coaching. Um, but she's adapted really well. Maybe it's been a help that, you know, from the time that I was hired as head coach here and then I turned around and was able to hire Shannon and get her here, we had no time to plan. Um, the moment that I was hired and she, she got here, the season was on our doorstep. So we adjusted and learned on the fly and then – my thought would be, okay, we'll get through our first season, and then next summer, which would have been the summer of 2020, we will be able to have some downtime and be together, and we can, you know, learn. I can teach her some of the things that she needs to know about drilling equipment and these kind of things, and we could kind of 
plan for the next season a little better. Well, of course, COVID hits in March and shuts everything down. So there was no time with her together. Certainly we could do that through a computer, but we're talking about things that she needs to do hands-on. We lost the entire summer. So then she comes back and all the, all the, the team gets back here and boom, the, the season's on our doorstep again. So we really haven't had any time to plan or, or you know, have a downtime where the season isn't also going. Um, so maybe that helped us. Is what I'm saying it's possible that helped us because we, you know, everything had to be done on the fly, and we were, you know, you just you just kind of you had the motivation to learn quick and be quick with things. Well, when you when you walk away with a national championship, you you can't argue that. You know, it's like, hey, maybe maybe things did turn out. I mean, that's the the best case scenario, and uh, and you guys walked away with the the championship. So that's just that's just fantastic. Hey, one of the questions yep. I've got for you for you, you know, I mean, that, and that was again kudos to to you guys, and I know it's a big team effort. It's a you know a, a combination of everything from mental game and you know strategy, lane play, you know, physical fitness, and you know bowling technique, you know, arm swing and release and all those other things that go into that. Um, but one of the things I wanted to ask you about, and I know I've uh, seen and heard and fielded this question before in the past, one of the unique strategies that I think Nebraska bowling has that a lot of other teams don't have. Um, and we saw this on the, uh, on the televised finals here as well, too, is that you, your team doesn't utilize polyester or a hard urethane spare ball. You stick with your same, bowling ball you have for the strikes. Tell us a little bit about that. Is that a, a philosophy you guys have had uh, for several years or uh, as successful as you are? Why don't you feel other teams have, have maybe adopted that? That's okay. That's an excellent question. And, and, and here's the thing. Carolyn Doran Ballard mentioned that quite a few times on the TV show, um, which in years past has been the complete truth that we did not throw any kind of plastic or spare ball at anything. Um, and, a lot of that had to do with we we didn't want to have a, a one we only get five or six balls we're allowed to have one of them is single purpose only a spare uh, we wanted to be able to let's say you had a high road maybe you can throw that at a ten pin and maybe also use it to strike well when I took over this position um, some of the things that I did I mean I, I mentioned to you the last time we were on this podcast that you know I really simplified a lot of the teaching here and it's not so strict as far as you got to throw it one way and, you know, a certain way. I made the teaching simpler and, and what we do just a little more compact. And one of the other things I did was, um, as opposed to forcing the girls into flattening out their hand and throwing straight at a six pin or a 10 pin, we do throw mixes. But the interesting thing, why Carol and Doran Ballard didn't notice it, is because miraculously with our Storm and Roto balls, we did not leave a single 10 pin on television, which is a miracle. I mean, how many times do you bowl five games on national television on brand-new pins and you don't leave one 10-pin? The only 10-pin we left was on a fill ball. I mean, the balls went wow. to the pins yeah. like you wouldn't believe. I mean, the high roads and the trends and the things we were throwing, the UC2, they went through the pins so well, we literally did not shoot a 10-pin. Therefore, Carolyn Doran Ballard would not have seen us throw a mix at a 10-pin. But we do. We throw the mix at 10-pins and 6-pins. Well, but and, we still do. We still do like two pins. We just move, you know, three or four to the right, and then hook it into it. And we do that with two, four, fives, and four pins and sevens, things like that. So we still do use our strike ball and a lot of spares, but not ten pins. A lot of things on the right we throw plastic. 
And my final question will be then, since it is a Storm Collegiate Spotlight podcast, you guys are a Storm and Roto Grip team. Talk about some of those those balls that were rolling so well down the lane for you that you weren't leaving many corner pins or any corner pins on the, on TV. You know, we we started the um, the tournament and we were you could, now this house. We've had a lot of success in Kansas City at it used to be called NKC Pro Bowl. Now it's AMF Pro Bowl. It's got 23-year-old HPL, so the surface is older, and it's a hooking surface. And it's always played in, always in. Well, the way the pattern that was chosen really left the first four boards dry. So a lot of teams went out in the gutter and started playing out there, and we did too. The mistake we made is initially we started using a little too strong of equipment. We used um, some asymmetric things that had a little bit of surface on them, and tried to play out there, but it didn't allow us to stay out there for very long. And so we were kind of struggling on day one with that. And just by happenstance, I ran into Brian and Shannon O'Keefe in the in the hotel lobby at the end of Wednesday night, which was our first night of competition. And as we always do at tournaments, we, we started comparing notes about what they're doing, what we're doing. And after looking at what, what they're doing as far as playing outside, they were playing the outside line closer to the gutter but they were using a little bit of weaker stuff and they're throwing the, you know, uh, hammer and, and things like this. So I tried to kind of equate what they're throwing with storm and Roto's line. And ultimately I called Shannon, my Shannon Kulhowski that night and said, look, we need, we need a game plan for tomorrow. Let's do something different. So we decided to start going with, um, some of the weaker balls, just stuff that's shinier, higher RG, like, like high roads trends, uh, UC2, um, it's really clean. That ball was workable. Um, there was really kind of three versions of the fresh. You you played them all to the right, but when they were on the tighter version of the fresh, we threw like a Rubicon um, for a game or so for some people. Um, some people, on when they were like that, could also throw an IQ Tour. Um, but when they were medium or hooking version of the fresh, that's when we pretty much stuck to the high roads and trends. Emeralds a little bit not too much. We got into those one time. By the time we got to the show, uh, we had actually practiced on, they used the right lane of one pair and the left lane of another. So they used like uh, 43 and I guess it was uh, 42 and 43 is what they used. And we had bowled on 42 and we knew that that was the hook inversion of the, of the fresh. So the only question mark was what's the right lane going to be. Thankfully it was close enough to be able to, once we got to the show, we had a pretty good system going, and it was all high roads. We had our leadoff throwing a UC2. We had our two-hole throwing a trend. We had our three-hole throwing a trend. We had our four-hole throwing a – I'm sorry, the three-hole through a, a high road. The four-hole through a, a high road, and our anchor through the trend. And we didn't have to switch balls all night. We did, we did a last-minute shine on a couple of the high roads and the UC2, which got them, like I say, they went through the pins like champions. I mean, they were so clean. They were so controllable. When they got a little too flippy, we shined them a little, and they just seemed to just blend them a little, and they just got a little bit more controllable, and they weren't so so early and so sharp. And uh, like I say, to, to bowl five Baker games on national TV with five different players on brand-new pins and never leave a 10-pin, Storm and Roto are doing something right. 
Well, we had uh, we bowled on some brand new pins there at the USBC Masters, and I tell you what, it is it at times can be very challenging to get the corners out. So, <laughs> congratulations! And uh, hats no, I off to you, it. Coach Klempa. Yeah, yeah, this is super, super exciting, and we're we're so happy for you, and so excited you're able to do that. And congratulations to you and the team and the coaches, and and everybody in Lincoln. There's got to be just so stoked. We are, you know, on a year when it was so difficult, we really needed to bring something home for everybody to celebrate. And Husker Nation is absolutely celebrating this. The, the celebration goes on. It just keeps on day after day. I hear from people, and they're just thrilled. And I thank you too, Steve, and everyone at Storm and Roto for, for backing us all these years now. We were eight years in with you, and I, I couldn't be more pleased with the relationship or the equipment. It's just, it's just great. 